what is going on everybody how are you it's tuesday this is the just gonna say it podcast on the dylan talks tone youtube channel i hope everybody is having a great week it's uh it's only tuesday i feel like we've had a super busy one and uh we're gonna talk about some interesting things today i don't necessarily know how much you're gonna like it because there's going to be some hard truths today, but we're going to chat about some stuff. And um, yeah, if you have guitar questions, you can put those in the chat over there and we will try to get to those as well. And of course, we will drop what we are doing um, if you use a super chat. So there you go. Let's um, Let's get into this right away. So uh i know folks are going to probably um not like what i'm about to say but just kind of is what it is this is one of those subjects uh if you didn't see the thumbnail the whole jericho guitars versus gibson thing if you didn't see the thumbnail um is it right or wrong what's going on with it can they even do it? I did a bunch of research. I will tell you, uh, obviously, I am not a lawyer, obviously. However, I do have a fair amount of experience um, with trademarks and having defended them, having um, gotten screwed over by people who were, etc. And we also have a video on this channel. Um, where I interviewed the lawyer who sued Fender and made it possible for all of us to be able to use the Fender uh, Strat and Tele shape, and it doesn't have a trademark. Um, and I'm not talking about a lawyer who does this stuff. I'm talking about the lawyer who did that. And he is actually, I don't want to, probably don't want to mention any names, but he is uh, the lawyer who defends trademarks for a lot of people in the guitar industry today. So he is right in on this stuff. About a year and a half ago, I would say, we did uh, we did a podcast with him, uh, did a video with him. It was an hour long and really got into trademark stuff. So here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to give you a quick kind of rundown because a lot of people misunderstand this whole concept in the first place. So I'm just gonna give you, again, this is not legal advice and I may not have every detail with all of this stuff, but this is just a general rundown of how all this works. The bottom line is, um, if you are a company who has a mark, and that could be a shape, that could be a color, uh, that could be a piece of text, a logo, anything like that. I'll give you some examples outside of guitar land because we need to disassociate our emotions about Gibson and about guitar stuff to understand this concept properly. So disassociate our emotions and we'll get into the what it really means. For example, um, the orange that is Home Depot orange is trademarked in so far as that, as much as I understand it, Another hardware store in that same genre can't use that same orange because they've trademarked that. Um, shapes. The Coke bottle shape. 
the Hershey's Kiss shape, the Mickey Mouse head. Those are all shapes that have been trademarked. And then, of course, there's all kinds of trademarks like logos, the Chevy bow tie, the Ford logo, all these things. And in any situation, depending on how, and, and the reason they do that is because they want to protect their brand. Okay. So if somebody comes out with a product that looks exactly like that, A, there is a precedent for confusing the customer, which is one of the things that you can get in trouble for. And B, uh, they own that intellectual property. That is theirs. I, you know, I, I've got logos that I paid people thousands of dollars to develop all these graphics and everything. And that is my intellectual property, the end. I own it. And if you try to steal it, I'm going to sue you and I'm going to tell you to stop using it because it's mine. The laws surrounding that are fairly clear. There are some little ambiguities, but the, the way this works is when you or I file for a trademark, when Home Depot filed for that trademark and said, you cannot have a hardware store with this orange on it. Anytime somebody opened a hardware store that had that orange on it, I don't know if they did, just using it as an example, they would go to that person and they'd say, hey, yo, you can't do that. They would have to maintain that trademark. Now, if they ignored it and 30, 40 years went by and they didn't care about that color and 20 people opened up hardware stores with orange on them, that color orange, then they could no longer defend that because it would sort of come become like the norm which is exactly what happened with strats and tellies. So that's why we can have strats and tellies because they couldn't go backwards and undefend all that stuff. Gibson has been very good about defending their shapes. Now they haven't always been good at it, but they've been good at it enough to be, um, to set legal precedent. So before we get into guitar stuff, that's kind of the general rundown. A lot of people think we're talking about patents here. This is not patents. Patents are functional things. Um, oh, I was going to grab a knife to give you an example. So, um, a functional patent would be something that was here. I'm just going to grab this knife because I'm going to, oh, well, actually we can, we can use an example. Um, the Glock pistol, the design of a Glock pistol was patented. They usually last for 20 years and then they expire and then it's in the public domain. And now you can make a knockoff of a Glock pistol and nobody cares, but that is a design patent. Trademarks can be defended for eternity. So just, we just need to get that out of the way before uh, anything. So, and I see somebody already saying, it's not as if Gibson has a trademark on electric guitars. They do have a trademark on shapes of electric guitars. So this is where it gets a little bit interesting. You can go to the Gibson website and there is a page and it shows you all of the trademarks that they own. They're very clear about this. Explorer 335. There's a bunch of them. Uh, hummingbird. So names like hummingbird, flying V, like all these various names. And if you are another company and you try to make that shape that they own the trademark for, they will stop you. Now, this is not just gu guitar stuff. If you build a guitar, it can cross, it can actually, some of it can actually cross industries. 
if you build a guitar in the shape of a Mickey Mouse head uh, dis- and try to sell it in mass, Disney will come and sue you and tell you to stop. If you design a guitar in the shape of a Coke bottle, Coca-Cola, and sell it in mass, not just like a one-off, Coca-Cola will come and tell you you can't do that. And they will take legal action against you to make sure that you don't because they own that shape. This is not right or wrong. This is what the laws are. This is how it works. And you say, yeah, well, but didn't, uh, what's his name? Have the Jack Daniels bottle base and he got away with it. He bought, he built one for himself and then wanted to build some more. And Jack Daniels and him entered into an agreement uh, so that they could have those guitars represented somehow in their merchandise. And so now there are these little licensed miniature ones now and stuff. They entered into a legal agreement to make sure that that could happen. That was a partnership. If that had not happened, Jack Daniels could have actually gone against them. uh, What's his face? You know, anyway, and said, you cannot build this guitar shapes can be owned colors can be owned um demarzio for example uh double cream bobbins as much as you don't like it that is the reality there is this is just reality the end okay so that's the law if you don't like it move to a different country or change the law you i mean you everybody has the you know that can be done um So now let's get to the latest thing that happened with Gibson and Jericho, because this is very interesting. Let me grab my phone because I have some notes on this. A lot of people were like, I can't believe they just. So for those of you that don't know, Jericho Guitars has an Explorer. It is a blatant ripoff of an Explorer. It looks exactly like it has the same peg head, very close. Everything. It is exactly like an Explorer. Okay which is a trademark shaped by Gibson. And they make no bones about the fact that they sell this guitar on their website. So here is an interesting thing. Allegedly, and I don't know all the facts about this. I'm just going by what I've read in the press. Allegedly, what happened was Gibson forced the internet provider to shut down the website. Now, There is legal precedent for this. I want to say it's in 2015 or 16, a record company, I think it was Atlantic Records, went after a company who was making cloned websites to make it look like they were selling legal stuff, but they were actually, uh, North Face was also another court case with this, where uh, a foreign company made copies of their website copies of their intellectual property, copies of their logos, and were selling as North Face. Uh, The, I believe it was Cloudfare, was the, in one of these cases, was the internet provider. And the, the internet provider was sued for allowing criminal activity to go on on their website by this intellectual property being stolen. The ruling was that you had to shut this down. 
And then Cloudfair said, the problem is, is that I don't know what all the, we don't know what all the things are. We don't know what all of the, I don't know if somebody's stealing. I'm just the internet provider. So the, the conclusion of those lawsuits was this. If a company comes to you and says, Hey, you have a website and on that website, you are hosting a website on your service. And on that website is intellectual property that is being stolen from me. And I alert the internet provider to that. They are obligated then to shut that website down because otherwise they are aiding and abetting in a crime. And this may have moved around a little bit because there was a little bit of like settling and, you know, agreements and whatever. But the bottom line is if the internet provider knows of fraud or intellectual property being stolen, they have to shut it down. Otherwise they're aiding and abetting in a crime because the liability on a website owner, including me, including you, if you have a website is this, you cannot have online infringement of patent, copyright, trademark, trade secret, or trade dress. And it often leads to a website being judicially removed. So you, as the company owner, need to be aware of everything on your website that it does not do this. For example, people ask me all the time, why don't you sell double cream bobbins? Surely nobody's going to worry about you. You're not that big. Well, guess what? I'm not messing with it. People always ask me why I say S style and T style all the time on all of my ads on my website. Uh, one gets through every once in a while, but I try to proofread it and make sure that it doesn't because Strat, Tele, Telecaster, or Stratocaster are all trademarked phrases by Fender. They could shut me down without telling me. They go to the, they go to the internet provider without a cease and desist letter, without anything. I would never know about it. I would just wake up in the morning and my website would be gone because they could go to the internet provider. This is 100% how the law works. Does it suck? Absolutely, it sucks. But if you are knowingly ripping off a guitar company and have a product on your website, you better know better that this could happen at some point. I have no pity for this kind of stuff because, okay, maybe it's accident. Maybe once in a while I accidentally have a strat or a telly or a word, right? But if you are selling a ripoff of an Explorer and you can go to Gibson's website right now and see that they own that trademark, you're asking for trouble. And I love Jericho guitars. I think they're amazing. They're probably not going to send me one now, but I absolutely love their guitars, but they had to know this. You can Google this. It's everywhere. This, these rules, these laws, all this stuff, you, you, anybody can find this out in 10 minutes. This is like not hard to find. So, and when you know, and you're in the guitar industry, you know what shapes you can't steal. You can't shape, you can't steal. Actually, tellies and strats are probably the only shapes you can steal. Rickenbacker, you can't. Um, most Gibson stuff, you can't. PRS stuff, you can't. There's lots of shapes that you can't steal. So that's the deal. I don't have any pity for it. They knew better. End of story. Um, why hasn't AliExpress been shut down? Because they are not an American company. 
they can't be controlled. The American market, um, I don't know how it works. It's kind of like TikTok, right? People are trying to shut down TikTok. There's government, government stuff. I don't understand it all. I don't know it all. All I know is what would affect me if I refer to example. Now, these are not double cream bobbins, but I have two cream bobbins here. If I were to put these on my website as these are screw sides for a zebra, just keeping it all clear. But if I were to try to market a double cream bobbin, Larry DiMarzio could call his lawyer and say, hey, man, go shut down Dylan Talks Tone. And I would never know about it until I woke up in the morning and my website was gone. That's the law. That's how it works. Very interesting stuff. You'll just have to buy white bobbins and use a wood stainer. Yeah, so I mean, you could buy a set of pickups or you could make them yourself for your own self, but I'm not going to sell a product that I could get shut down for. So there's a general rundown. Life sucks sometimes. Uh, you know, I don't think it sucks. I just think you have to follow the rules. I think there are rules that are in place for a reason. If you try to steal my stuff, I'm getting a lawyer. I mean, I have intellectual property, uh, not just in this business, in other businesses too. And uh, if you try to steal my intellectual property, I'm getting a lawyer because it's my livelihood. It's how I make a living. If you steal one of my designs, if you steal my logo, if you steal whatever, like all those things. So those things are really, really important. Super important stuff. So some Rick brought up um, problem with suing someone. The onus is on you to get things going. The mom and pops are screwed. Is the juice going to be worth the squeeze? This is not about money. It's not about money. It's about protecting your brand. That's what it's about. It's about protecting your brand. Because, well, which ends up being money. But mom and pops shouldn't be stealing intellectual property. Don't steal intellectual property and Gibson won't sue you. The end. They're not trying to put every small guitar builder out of business. They are protecting their brand. If they come up with an idea and they financially invest in that idea to the point that it's trademarked or it's patented and it's protected legally before you, Maybe you came up with an amazing idea, but you didn't patent it. It's not their fault and it's nobody else's fault. And they're not trying to put guitar businesses out of business. Everybody wants to say that, but it's just not true. It's just not true. And it goes the other way in Europe. Gibson has, so fat philosopher just brought out a couple things. In Europe, Gibson has lost a few things because their trademark laws, their intellectual property laws are different. This is not um, global. These are global companies dealing in multiple um, markets. And so as a result of that, you have to handle them differently. I had a situation, this was probably 20 years ago now, where I had a product that um, it wasn't in the guitar space, it was in the power sports space, but um, my IP got stolen by a Chinese company 
and uh, cost me a lot, a lot of money. And not only did they, so here's, I'll tell you the story. What happened was we had a CDI box for a particular off-road vehicle just to make it go faster. It was like a chip tune basically. So we did all the work. We prototyped it in China because that's where you have to pretty much have that stuff made at that time. Um, they sent us the prototypes. They were amazing. They're awesome. So we ordered however many pallets of them we were going to order and all the financial investment that went into that. And you can't really, you can, but the protections for IP are wacky with China. I don't want to get into politics, but it's a, it's a, it's wacky. So I get my pallet of CDI boxes and they don't work. And about, and there's nothing I can do. No recourse, no legal recourse in the situation that we were in at the time. A few months later, competing product comes out from China. It's my CDI box. There's nothing I could do. So I'm very sensitive to this. And I've actually had it happen in the music stuff too. It's uh, something that, and for a, for a, a contemporary of yours in the same line of work as you to do it to you, I cannot imagine how pissed I would be if somebody did it to me. I've had pickup companies call me. This happened to me about six months ago and ask me, hey, you just came out with a, 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 a pickup. And I said, yeah. Is this what you're calling it? I said, yeah. And they're like, oh man, we were about to come out with them too. And we were going to call it that. And I just kind of held my breath because I was like, I, I don't, I didn't have it trademarked at that time or, you know, the process of it and all that. And I was like, I just kind of held my breath. And he goes, he's such a cool dude. And he's like, well, all right. I wasn't really going down that far down that road with that. Anyway, I'll go ahead and swap up the name since you already beat me to it. So that stuff happened and that guy is amazing. And to this day, I actually do business with him. We, we do things and uh, I really, really like that guy. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but I really appreciate him. Um, most of the time those interactions go that way, but when it's an all out theft, like when you steal a shape and what bothers me about the shape thing as people think that they are entitled to it just because they think it's wrong. And we get that in the comments a lot to these videos. Well, it's just wrong. That's just, it shouldn't be like that. Well, it is like that. <laughs> it is like that. And because it is like that, you either have to do it or get sued. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. Was it Ikea meatball guy? No, it was not Ikea meatball guy. <laughs> Patents only last 20 years. It's why companies use trademarks. So that's a, patents and trademarks are different. Trademarks are, it's the mark. It's the shape. It's the color. Uh, it's the logo. It's recognizable on site. Um, a patent is a design. A patent is a functional design. So like this knife right here. Um, I'm not sure what patents Protec, this is a Protec. So I'm not sure what patents Protec has 
on this particular knife. I was going to mention here. Hang on. Okay. This was going to be the example I was going to use. So this is a Benchmade mini bug out. Okay. Super popular, super simple knife. This crossbar lock right here, that that's how it locks. You pull it back and now you can fold the knife. Okay. This crossbar lock was patented and nobody could make this in a pocket knife except for Benchmade for 20 years. And then once that patent expired, probably, I don't know, maybe about four years ago or something. Now SOG and a whole bunch of other people make what they call, uh, this is called the axis lock. So here's an, another example. I'll give you another example in a minute, but this, they call this their axis lock. Um, they, I can't remember what SOG calls their crossbar lock, but it's basically this. So here's another, here's a, here's a, a great example of the difference between a patent and a trademark. So the design of how this works with this bar, with this spring on the inside of it right here, that was patented and how it locks and how it slides back and forth, how they probably had to, I didn't, I've not seen the patent, but I'm sure they had to put a bunch of, uh, visual, visual descriptions with pictures and also like written out descriptions, um, of specific things about how this thing works and how it interlocks with the blade and how it all works. And then, so that's the patent for the actual design, the mechanicals and the function of that lock. And then there's the trademark for the name. So this is called the axis lock on for Benchmade. They still call it the axis lock on their knife, even though the patent for the design has expired. So you will see a crossbar lock because the patent has designed uh, expired on other brands knives, but no other brand of knife will call it their axis lock because the patent is on the name. That's a, probably a pretty good example of the difference between those two things. So I know it can seem confusing, but um, yes, novelty, uh, inventive step and utility. There's a bunch of, there's a few names of it. Um, uh, somebody mentioned the Streisand effect with Jericho. I hope that there's a Streisand effect because to tell you the truth, their guitars are really cool. I follow them on Instagram and I, <laughs> I've always wanted one because the I really like the monochromatic matte finishes and they're really go go follow them on Instagram. They're amazing. You're gonna want one. The only thing they did wrong was try to sell a design that wasn't theirs. The rest of their design is amazing, or the rest of their line is amazing. Strats and tell you know like telly kind of stuff and whatever, but they can use those because those are not trademarked shapes. So, you know, that's kind of the thing. Uh, it's very interesting. I, I, I find all this stuff very interesting, obviously as a business owner in a, a bunch of different, you know, this is my ninth business. Like I've built up businesses and sold them over the decades and, um, yeah, shoot. 
I started my first business like 30 years ago and I built them up, sold them, built them up, sold them in different areas, different sectors. And so trying to understand this stuff, uh, I've had a couple of businesses where I've had a lot of dealings with foreign countries, like for part supply and stuff. I was one of the first, uh, mail order, like smartphone repair companies in the United States back in 2009. And so dealing with other countries and importing parts and dealing with, um, Apple and aftermarket parts of Apple, which were at first kind of ripoffs until there was things like all those things. So I kind of have seen a couple of different sides of it, but this, this is, this is an interesting one because I think the, I think the thing that sucks about it for a lot of people is you have to divorce yourself from the emotion of the personal connection to a brand or the hatred. Everybody hates on Gibson. I don't know why, but um, it's like you, you're either like this extreme fan boy or you hate this brand. It, it, for some reason, it's a very polarizing thing. I don't understand why. I just, I say, like what you like and buy what you want to buy. doesn't matter. I don't, I don't care if you don't like my guitar. I don't care if you think my guitar is too expensive. I don't care. I don't care about any of that stuff. I just, if I like it, I like it. I'm going to buy it. So I'm not one of those people, but I think because of the emotion that is, uh, kind of connected to it, you know, we don't, we don't get connected to, we might get connected. I personally get connected to vehicles that way and vehicle brands and stuff. But like, I mean, I don't care about pocket knives. Like I don't get, I mean, I like them. I love them. Obviously I have tons of them, but I, I don't emotionally get connected to a guitar or a guitar brand because then that by extension is connected to the music that you grew up with and every, all these associative memories and all that kind of stuff. And so to divorce yourself from that emotion and just be like, well, the law is the same for the Mickey Mouse head or the Coke bottle as it is for an Explorer or a Les Paul or a 335. It's just the law. So it's not that big a deal when you really think about it like that. So if you can just separate that, it helps a lot. It helps a lot. Uh, I think I thought that's what I said, John O'Connor. I believe you misstated that others can't use the term access lock because the access lock uh, is on the name when actually you meant the trademark is on the name and the expired patent is on the design. I thought that's what I said. Maybe I misspoken. Something else came out of my mouth. I apologize. But yeah, what you said is what I meant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, it's not patenting a shape. It's trademarking a shape. It is trademarking a shape. And if you think that is stupid, you must not own a business. Trademarking is very important to defending your intellectual property. And in the end, it's very important to you existing as a business, whether you are a small business or a large business. Here's the thing. I don't think people understand either is trademarking is a level playing field. I have a lawyer in Nashville 
that I want to say the last time I talked to him about it, it's like I can get the process started on trademarking a name or a shape or something for like 400 bucks. Okay. This is not in the grand scheme of running a business. Trademarking something is not expensive. It's there's some other things that tack on to there, but you, you could start the process for under a thousand dollars. Okay. Once you own that, even Gibson or Fender can't come after you. Once you own it and once it's in process, once it's in process, if you beat them to it with a shape, with a color, with a, some kind of mark and you beat them to it, doesn't matter what it is. Even Gibson can't sue you and take that away from you. They can't. It's a level playing field when it comes to that. As long as you trademark the thing before somebody else does, and it is a trademarkable thing and all the stuff goes along with it. If I, if I were to say, I'm going to trademark a particular color combination of pickup bobbins, then here's what would happen. Gibson or Schecter or somebody would want to put that color in their guitar. And I would go to them and say, no, you can't. Cause I already did it just like Larry DiMarzio does. And then what I would say is either you can buy the design for me for a flat rate, or what you could do is I will let you put black and purple humbuckers or whatever color in your guitar, even though I make the trademark, but I want a piece of every one of them that you sell. And I'm going to license that to you. You could do that, but even just little me, making pickups out of a spare bedroom in an apartment in Georgia, I could stand up to the biggest company in the world if I owned the trademark ahead of time. It's only the people that steal them that have the problem. Let's see. Here is a super chat. Thank you, sir. Did Gibson catch heat over the victory body shape? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that, Sassy Cat. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, all these things are uh, are doable. You know, they're, they're so much easier. Patents are difficult. Like if I were to come out with... So patents are interesting because you have to prove that it's an actual design. Like if I, if I invented a pickup... Um, and it was just like a regular pickup, just wound different. The patent office would laugh at me because they'd be like, well, it's just the same as another one. You just change it a little bit. It has to be like markedly different. And the design has to be unique. You know, um, a, a pickup design that probably has a, well, does have a bunch of patents on it would be like uh, the lace Illumitone humbucker, for example. It's so different than a regular pickup. But you have to choose, you have to prove that. There's a legal... Um, there, there's a set of guidelines and that's why you hire an attorney to do this so that they can present your patent materials in a way that shows the patent office that your stuff is truly different and deserves patent. And that's a lot more expensive. It's thousands of dollars. It's probably, I would say, I don't know. Does anybody in the comments have more, um, 
experience with this than I do because I've I've had them in the past, but I never had to pay for them because I was partners with somebody and they did it. But I want to say ten or fifteen grand is pretty commonplace for doing that. Um, so yes. Um, all your pickup, all your guitar shapes now does not belong to shredder 9,000. That's really funny. So yeah, that's it. I mean, this stuff is a lot of people don't like it, but it's the law. And I think the biggest problem is a lot of most people don't understand it. You know, even the, even the confusion between patent versus trademark, you know, everybody's like, well, I thought those expired. Well, they do, but trademarks don't. And the shape of a guitar can be trademarked. You can trademark all kinds of stuff. Um, I don't think you can sell an axe-shaped guitar. I think, uh, what's his face from Kiss has that sorted out. Uh, you can't sell, there's all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, the brown on a UPS truck. Um, you know, logos are easy, right? Like, the Canon camera logo that I've got here or the, you know, the sure logo right here. If you, um, sometimes a font can be trademarked, so you can't use this font, you know, I don't know, but sometimes somebody will actually trademark a font so that you can't use that in branding material. You might be able to use it in, um, like text on a website or something, but you can't use it like in your logo. The whole thing is, the whole thing is, um, it's about cons confusing the consumer. The Explorer thing with Jericho is a good example. If it, and it can't, and it's not just somebody who's in the know. Okay. If I'm a new guitar player and I walk into a guitar center and this wouldn't happen because Jericho doesn't sell a guitar center, but let's just say. I walk into a guitar center and there is a Jericho Explorer. I think they call it their Nomad and a Gibson Explorer hanging next to each other. And I don't play guitar, but I've seen my rock star guy that I know playing one of those on television. I could confuse those two guitars because they are similar. That constitutes a trademark infringement. If I see a dime bag, the pointy one next to an explorer those are different and you can tell i can tell i'm not even a guitar player and i can look at that i mean i am but if i wasn't i could look at that and be like those are different that makes sense but if it's going to confuse a consumer even on the, the simpler side of the equation like when you're when we are um less experienced then it that's one of the things if you confuse a consumer um and then the other thing is just the bottom line of, I want to be the only one that has this, but that's a little harder. The cream bobbin thing with, with Larry DiMarzio, I know for sure. Cause I have spoke, I, let me, I'll just, I don't know how much I want to say about how I know this, but I will say that I do know <laughs> uh, firsthand from talking to someone involved that that is a repeated ongoing all the time. Hey, lawyer, please go to, uh, 
fight this in some state because this guy is doing this and why well why is cream a thing well here's the precedent from the years before blah 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 blah, blah. it's like this kind of a harder fight to fight i think the color thing is a little bit harder but i do know that since the precedent is there um precedent is there that it that it matters um let's see somebody's asking about yeah you can't use a fender f right you can't use uh so the peg head of a telecaster is trademarked but the body shape is not stratocaster headstock is trademarked but the body shape is not the reason for that is by the time fender got around to realizing that they should have trademarked it it had become so common that my friend his name is ron beanstalk actually took him to court and said i think on behalf of warmoth actually and said hey this has already become commonplace they waited too long they it had become a commodity there's strats and telecopies everywhere and it will no longer confuse the consumer because there's so many out there that it has just become ubiquitous and they won that fight and they won that fight and so that is why we can use stratocasters and telecasters with no consequence because we can and we can make exact copies of stratocasters and telecasters and fender can't sue us because they waited too long to trademark it the lesson if you invent something or if you want to trademark a shape do it right away before it becomes everywhere once it's out in the world and it becomes everywhere you cannot backwards defend it but once like we said once you spend 800 bucks or whatever it costs for your particular however much it costs for your particular shape or color or whatever mark uh then you can defend it to the day you die or until the day that trademark no longer becomes relevant pretty interesting stuff but you have to keep up on it you can't stop yeah pretty interesting stuff um i didn't know that that was going to take 45 minutes i knew it was going to take uh some time because this is a really really tough and if there's any lawyers in the comments um that know about this stuff i'm not talking about um people who are divorce attorneys i mean like real lawyers about this stuff not lawyers about this stuff specifically uh if you have anything to add go ahead and get in the comments afterwards and, and you can put them down there um because i know there's a lot to this that i don't know i just know what i know because i've had to personally do experience um research for my own stuff and it's a constant thing of always learning it somebody said a few minutes ago uh, that there's a lot, uh, somebody said that there's a lot more to running a business than you realize. And it's really true. Um, I don't think people realize 
even for a small business like what I have, you know, we make what 200 pickups a month. Um, and for what we do here, I mean, it's mind boggling to make sure that you're complying with everything. My wife is a, so Leslie's real job. I don't know if you probably, he may not know this. If you haven't followed the channel for very long, if you followed the channel for a long time, you might know. Uh, but Leslie's real job is about, um, accessibility compliance for websites. So for example, a blind person needs to be able to order a pizza on dominoes.com. If you cannot do that, if your website is not handicap accessible, basically, uh, you can get sued. So her specialty and certifications and all that stuff is to know all those laws and to, so that making sure that the company that she works for all the websites and all of the software and all of everything, cause it's a software company uh, is all basically handicap accessible. There's just all kinds of things. So she's literally been going through mine to make sure that that happens to me because it's getting to a point where they're making laws about handicap accessibility on a website. And I sell guitar stuff, but I will be, need to make sure that deaf people can understand what's going on on my website. Even though I sell guitar stuff, are they going to actually need it? I don't know, but it still needs to comply, which I think they would. I mean, Beethoven, right? So, you know, it's really interesting that all that stuff. So there's all kinds of things that people don't realize. It's not, you don't just get on Stumac and buy some parts and start winding some pickups and stick them on the internet. Like this is like, <laughs> Oh man, what do they say? I'm self-employed so I can work in 80 hours a week. So I don't have to work 40. <laughs> like, oh, that's what I feel like. Sometimes you just got to get up earlier and stay up later. Oh, it's kind of crazy. W3C compliance. You got it, buddy. That's what Leslie's certified in all that stuff. She went to school for all that. It's pretty neat. It's pretty neat stuff, actually. And it's really cool, too, because I don't know. It's really neat to be. Uh, it's like her whole job is based on kindness, which is really cool. And it really helps me, too, because sometimes some people in the comments. I'm like, you are. An av oh, my gosh. Today, I was just like, you have got to be kidding me that we're even talking about this. But her job is neat because she just deals in kindness. Like she's literally trying to be kind to people that can't do things that we can do. Um, and I have a handicap and chronic injury and et cetera. So I'm kind of sensitive to it too. So it's kind of neat to see it, but at the same time, it does create a fair bit of work and headache and things that you have to consider all the time. So it's kind of neat to learn about it, you know, Um, what about Wormuth doing parts for others? Do they just license the parts? So as far as I understand it, Wormuth can cr make a peg head shape. Wormuth can sell the fender peg head shape and the Telecaster peg head shape stock. And they are licensed by fender to do so. Uh, WD parts. I have some licensed next so companies can and and this is what will happen 
and even Gibson did this. Um, companies can license their designs to others. They can say, you can use the peg head shape, but I want X amount of percent of every one that you sell, which is a really good arrangement actually, because it, it allows the smaller company to lean on the brand recognition. Again, think about what we say here when we say this. It, it allows a small company to lean on the brand recognition that another company has spent 100 years developing and allows them to profit from somebody else's work that they have done. Because that's what you're doing when you steal somebody's design. But when you license it, you're paying a little bit for the privilege of doing that. And it makes sense. Um, it's what I do. I've done it with, with pickups where uh, another company will come to me and say, hey, can you design us a pickup? And then I will take a percentage of whatever they sell and they put in their guitars and et cetera. Um, that kind of thing. It helps everybody because it gets me some volume out there. You might not even know who it is. I know you don't know who it is, but um, it doesn't matter because it gives me some, some volume it gets them a design that they like, and everybody wins. Gibson did the same thing uh, with some companies, but it just didn't. I I think it was in the previous regime, and I don't think that those visions were properly thought out. Which, so they ended them. I'm pretty sure they ended all of them. Um. So yeah, pretty interesting stuff. I think it's a cool, I think it is a cool thing. I think all this stuff is very cool. Everybody wants to give me a hard time about my slash Les Paul. He didn't even play. Yeah, whatever. He's playing them now and he's been playing them for a long, long time. He's been playing. He used uh, those fake guitars on what appetite and maybe a little bit after that. And now he's playing Gibson. And what I like about the content that he's made with Gibson is they acknowledge that and then just give him what he needs now, which I think is really cool, which that's what I would do. I think, I think it's really neat. Oh, hang on. Go to super chat. Thank you. Sassy cat for the super chat. I appreciate that very much. What about Fender's other body shapes? Uh, I can't remember all of them. I want to say the P bass is good. The jazz bass is good. Uh, I don't know all of them. Uh, they don't have them on their website like Gibson does. Gibson has like a thing on their website and it's like uh, all the shapes, all the names of the guitars. You can't call a guitar a hummingbird, you know, for example. Um, all of their peghead shapes, all of their pick guard shapes that are trademarked the dove design on the pick guard is trademarked all those they have it all listed this is what you cannot copy if you want to ply authentic pretty interesting stuff um i think it's pretty interesting I'm just going to ignore all the people that are making jokes about people that are disabled. I don't really like that very much. Um, yeah. Cool. 
Well, this has been fun, you guys. Been a little bit, a uh, little bit educational, a little bit, uh, you know, this and that. I think it's neat. Uh, we have a lot of, a lot of good content. I'm trying to think of anything I want to tell you guys about that we've got going around on around here. I'm making a pile of P90s for a guitar company right now. Uh, we're making a pile of strap pickups for a guitar company right now. And a bunch of you have ordered stuff too. So we are making a bunch of humbuckers. I think people have ordered. Let's see. We got some DAFs over here. We got some center punches over here. We shipped out a bunch of loaded pick guards this morning. Uh, we've got some humbucker size P90s over here going out. Uh, we've got a 51 P base pickup sitting over here that's going out. Uh, we've got some, check these out. I only had a few left of these. There's, I only have a few left of these, these mesh topped here, mesh topped radiator pickups, which are super cool. These are DAFs, but you could put them on any of our humbuckers. Um, we went ahead and released uh, zebras. You can get zebras in any of our humbuckers now. So the cream and black, uh, which is pretty cool. How tempted are you to tear apart the slash pickups? Uh, yeah, they're coming apart. Yeah, we will. Uh, I think I've had them apart before, but not these ones. So I want to look at them. Yeah, I'm, they'll come apart. We'll, we'll look in there. I'm going to see what's up. Um because they're really good. So might as well know, you know, what's going on in there. Um, yeah, we got a bunch of stuff going. Anyhow, let's see. And then we, does it make any sense to do four single pickups strat style in order to have humbucking for both positions you could do that um is it jerry santel is that his name that does single coils put together on base plates to be humbucker and it's cool um i want to say lace center does that too there's a couple people that do it and it's pretty cool um yeah Awesome. Cool, man. You guys, this has been super fun. Thanks for hanging out today. Uh, we have today's Tuesday. Tomorrow we've got news coming out at 12 o'clock. We have, uh, I want to also, also want to thank everybody who watched the PRS McCarty 594 SE video. That video is bonkers. That thing in 24 hours did like 17,000 views. That's like, uh, I don't know, four times as many as we normally get. And so I really appreciate everybody watching that um, and and checking that video out and et cetera. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And um, thank you for watching all this stuff all the time. It's really cool. So we'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you Thursday. And I got a video coming out Friday too. Stuff coming out every day this week. We will see you tomorrow.